We hope you enjoy this message from Pastor Desiree Levy, recorded at Equipus Church in Eden. For more information, please visit equipuschurch.com. So, this morning, very excited. Um, I need you to turn to somebody next to you and I need you just to say to them, what's on the other side? Okay, and turn the other way. Oh, you don't have anyone. (laughs) Yeah, what's on the other side? (laughs) So I want to pick up... um, I want to pick up where we've left off over the last couple of weeks. You know, I want to pick up what some other people have put down. I want to like take what's been laid out before us in ministry and I want to take it to the next stage. And um, twice in this month, um, and if you weren't here at the PM service last week, then I just ask that you sound cloud later because then you'll understand everything. But um, I'll still still make it pretty clear. Um, Basically, we've heard twice in the last month um, about the storm that Paul encountered on the way to Rome and about the shipwreck that he came into and... um, and that then he made it to Rome. And um, last Sunday night, we had Pastor Matt Fielder here, and he preached a really great word on the storm and how to storm-proof your life. So if you are currently experiencing a storm, I'd encourage you to go and listen to that podcast. But this week, the pastor in me was pondering some stuff. And um, on Sunday night, Pastor Matt asked for um, a response. And if you're currently experiencing a storm, could you please stand up if you want faith, you know, if you want us to pray, if you're, all that kind of stuff this morning or this evening. And, um, and you know what? About 90% of the room stood. And so the pastor in me was like, oh God, there's lots of stuff going on. You know, like there are storms that people are walking through and there are battles that people are facing. And the pastor in me was like, oh my goodness. And so we've had some teaching on storm-proofing your life and Pastor Jordan a couple of weeks before that also spoke from the same passage. But this week I heard the Holy Spirit whisper to me, yes, but Desiree, what's on the other side? So you may be experiencing a storm in your life right now. And I wonder if I did the same thing and asked for a response this morning if 90% of the room would stand for there being something that's hard, an area of your life that you're believing for breakthrough in um, or a storm that you might be currently facing or a really long storm that you've been in for a number of years. I I can imagine that there would still be an overwhelming response because life sometimes is hard and stuff happens. But this morning, I really want to take us from focusing not on the storm, but to look at what's on the other side of the storm. And I'm going to use three storms from the New Testament. So hold on, people. Okay, just hold on. I'm going to use three storms from the New Testament because there are things that are present in all of them. And there are some truths that I think we need to unpack, unlock and apprehend for our own lives this morning. If we're going to make it out of the storm, well, not if, when we make it out of the storm so that we can actually see what's on the other side. So the title of my message this morning is What's on the Other Side? What's on the Other Side? And, you know, I'm not going to focus on the fighting. I'm not going to focus on what we need to do in the middle of the storm, although there'll be some of that. I'm not going to focus on the battling for the promise or the worshipping on the way or the learning how to defeat the enemy with the blood of the Lamb. I'm going to take these three storms and I want to unpack the why behind the what. 
I want to unpack why. What's on the other side of this storm that is so great that you would encounter the storm on your way? Because you know what? Whether you've been following Jesus for five minutes or 500 years, that includes everyone, um, (laughs) there will be storms. You will come across stuff in your life that doesn't go your way. There'll be pain, there'll be loss, there'll be grief, there'll be trials, there'll be attack, there'll just be bad moods. (laughs) There'll be storms that come your way. But the key is to not stay there. The key is to get to the other side. And this morning, I want to take us from the storm to the other side. And I'm going to rename the storms because I've got great liberty up here. And I didn't want to have to refer to the storms by their full scripture every time because, you know, that's going to be confusing. So there's going to be three storms that I'm unpacking today. And the first is the Rome storm. So Paul on his way to Rome, shipwrecked, and then what happens on the other side. And then I'm going to do the walking on water storm from Matthew 14. And I'm going to do the sleeping storm from Luke 8. So let's turn with me to Acts 27. We're going to start with the Rome storm and we're going to unpack what's on the other side, but we're also going to look at some things that are the same in all three storms because then I can prove my point to you. (laughs) Okay? (laughs) Because if I just gave you one storm, you'd be like, oh yeah, but that only happened that one time. Hmm. So I've got three this morning to close down any arguments. So Acts 27. So in Acts 27, we read that um, Paul was on his way to Rome as a prisoner, along with 275 other people, so other soldiers and crew and prisoners. And on the way, they encountered harsh weather, like really harsh weather. And they thought they could push through. But suddenly the weather became a really big storm. And they could no longer sail. They could no longer direct the boat. They kind of just had to like give in and float. And in verse 20 of Acts 27, it says this, the terrible storm raged for many days, blotting out the sun and the stars until at last all hope was gone. That's a pretty big storm. No hope, no hope anymore. Verse 21, no one had eaten for a long time. Recipe for disaster. Finally, Paul called the crew together. He's a prisoner, don't forget. Paul called the crew together and said, men, you should have listened to me. Oh, nobody likes and I told you so, eh? Um, Men, you should have listened to me in the first place and not left Crete. You would have avoided all this damage and loss, but take courage. None of you will lose your lives, even though the ship will go down. For last night, an angel of the God to whom I belong and whom I serve stood beside me. And he said, don't be afraid, Paul, for you will surely stand trial before Caesar. What's more, God in his goodness has granted safety to everyone sailing with you. So take courage, for I believe God. It will be just as he said, but we will be shipwrecked on an island. So that night the crew had dinner because Paul told them to. And the next morning they were shipwrecked, but not at Rome. They were shipwrecked on an island called Malta on the way to Rome. And for three months they stayed on this island, all 276 people. And the local people of the island were really kind to them. They gave them food, shelter, everything that they needed in that time. And Paul ministered to the locals on the way. So he's a prisoner, not yet at his destination. He's standing still on courage 
and on the Word from God. He's not where He's meant to be, but on the way He's ministering. And He's praying and He heals people. Every person who came to Him for healing was healed. This was on the way. On the way to His promise, on the way to His own victory, God was still using Him. After three months, they boarded another ship and they made it to Rome. And now we pick up the story in Acts 28 because, you know, I want to focus on what's on the other side. I don't want to focus on just what happens in the storm. Um, And I'm going to read from verse 16 and then I'm just going to kind of jump around. But you can follow me on the screen because I'm just condensing it a little because we've got a lot to get through today, okay? Keeping it short. Not really. (laughs) Verse 16. When we arrived in Rome... Paul was permitted to have his own private lodging, though he was guarded by a soldier. Three days after Paul's arrival, he called together the local Jewish leaders. Skipping to verse 20. I asked you to come here today so we could get acquainted and so I could explain to you that I am bound with this chain because I believe that the hope of Israel, the Messiah, has already come. They replied, we've had no letters from Judea or reports against you from anyone who has come here, but we want to hear what you believe. For the only thing we know about this movement is that it is denounced everywhere. So a time was set, and on that day, a large number of people came to Paul's lodging. He explained and testified about the kingdom of God and tried to persuade them about Jesus from the scriptures. Using the law of Moses and the books of the prophets, he spoke to them from morning until evening. Some were persuaded by the things he said, but others did not believe. Verse 30. For the next two years... Paul lived in Rome at his own expense. He welcomed all who visited him, boldly proclaiming the kingdom of God and teaching about the Lord Jesus Christ. And no one tried to stop him. The promise, the destination was Rome. On the way was a storm. And in the midst of the storm, two really crucial things happened. Paul had a personal encounter with an angel of the Lord who breathed courage and faith and hope into him in the middle of it all. And on the way, he was still ministering. So the destination was Rome. There's a storm, but in the storm, there is Jesus and there is other people who need ministering to. And then on the other side of the storm is Rome, the true destination And what's that? What's on the other side? People. People. People who needed to hear about Jesus, who needed the truth, who needed the gospel, who needed the kingdom, were waiting on the other side for Paul. People's lives and their salvation were waiting on the other side of the storm. You know, Paul arrives in Rome as a prisoner, but he didn't have to go to general population. He got what we read there. He was permitted to live alone. So he was permitted to rent a house and live. It's called house arrest. It wasn't that glamorous. But he was permitted to be in house arrest with a soldier chained to him 24 hours a day instead of going to general population prison. So on the other side of his storm, he's not yet in his true freedom of no chains, but he's in house arrest, which is far superior to being in general population. 
And he had to provide for himself rent and food, medical help, those kind of things. But in those scriptures that I just read to us, his prison became his platform. So even though he's in house arrest, even though he's at his destination, the destination, the word from God, the promise from God, but he's still in chains, that doesn't stop him from outworking the call, the purpose, the promise that God had for his life. He did not stop preaching. (laughs) Can you imagine being that guard chained to him for 24 hours a day? (laughs) How many times would he have heard the story of Jesus? You know, Paul did not stop preaching for those whole two years. He was a prisoner and yet he was a preacher. How are you viewing your current situation? Are you in some form of prison or has it become a platform for you? Have you been able to zoom out from the very painful and real details of whatever you are encountering to view it differently? Have you taken a step back to have a look at what could be in your prison? Do you know what else Paul did while he was in Rome on house arrest for the next two years? On the other side of that storm, he wrote Galatians, 2 Timothy, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, Philemon, and the book of Hebrews. So in those two years, while on house arrest on the other side of the storm, He wrote a lot of the New Testament that we now read today. (laughs) His chains and his custody did not hinder the Word of God coming out of his life. When you're in the will of God, nothing can stop the promises and the purposes that God has for your life. Not being arrested, not finding yourself in a storm, not soldiers, not shipwreck, not snakes, and not prison. Nothing can stop you on the other side of the storm. After two years, Paul was released from house arrest and he continued his ministry. So he did receive his ultimate freedom at that time. But he'd already received freedom on the inside. Even though he was in house arrest, even though he was in chains, he was living as a free man on the inside. So if I can zoom out from that storm, let me tell you or take you through the sequence again. Four parts really. There is a word, there is a destination, there is a promise, and it's Rome, but you're not there yet. And on the way, there's a storm. On the way, there is mess. On the way, there is life. On the way, there is pain. But also on the way, there is a personal encounter with Jesus. And there is ministry and lessons to be learned in that place. And then there is the other side of the storm. And on the other side... The prison couldn't contain him. He was preaching the word. He was talking truth. He wrote the Bible, a lot of the New Testament, on the other side of the storm. What's on the other side of your storm? Could you zoom out a little? Could you take a step back? Could you ask, which part of those four points am I at? Have I just heard the word? Or am I in a storm? Could I find Jesus right now? Could I have a personal encounter? Could I minister here on the way? Or are you looking at what's on the other side? So are you ready for storm number two? Are you ready to, you know, really drum this thing home? Great. So Jesus and his disciples have just fed the 5,000. 5,000 people or men 
and their wives and their children, but they didn't count them, had travelled large distances to come and hear Jesus and to be ministered to. And Jesus feeds them. There's a great miracle. You can read about it in Matthew 14. But then Jesus gives his disciples a word, a direction, an instruction. So let's pick up the story in Matthew 14, verses 22 to 36. Immediately after this, immediately after feeding 5,000 people, Jesus insisted that his disciples get back into the boat and cross to the other side of the lake while he sent the people home. After sending them home, he went up into the hills by himself to pray. Night fell while he was there alone. Meanwhile, the disciples were in trouble far away from land for a strong wind had arisen and they were fighting heavy waves. About three o'clock in the morning, Jesus came towards them walking on the water. When the disciples saw him walking on the water, they were terrified. In their fear, they cried out, it's a ghost. But Jesus spoke to them at once. Don't be afraid, he said. Take courage, I am here. Then Peter called to him, Lord, if it is really you, tell me to come to you walking on the water. Yes, come, Jesus said. So Peter went over the side of the boat and walked on the water towards Jesus. But when he saw the strong wind and the waves, he was terrified and began to sink. Save me, Lord, he shouted. Jesus immediately reached out and grabbed him. You have so little faith, Jesus said. Why did you doubt me? When they climbed back into the boat, the wind stopped. Then the disciples worshipped him. You really are the son of God, they exclaimed. After they had crossed the lake, they landed at this place that starts with G. When the people recognised Jesus, the news of his arrival spread quickly throughout the whole area. And soon people were bringing all of their sick to be healed. They begged him to let the sick touch at least the fringe of his robe and all who touched him were healed. Walking on water storm. Can you see the same elements as the Rome storm? There's a word, there's a promise, there's a direction from Jesus. And then there's a storm. But in the storm, there's a personal encounter with Jesus and there's some ministry that takes place, and then there's the other side. Did you know that there is a word from God for your life? There is a direction, there is an instruction that he has given you. Don't let the wind drown out the word. In case you're wondering, do I have a word? Because I can hear you. On the inside, you're all saying it. Do I have a promise? (laughs) You may not currently know the specifics of the word or the instruction or the direction from God right now for you, but I can give you the big picture. Are you ready? Ephesians 2.10. For we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things He planned for us long ago. A masterpiece created by God to do good things that have already been planned for us to do. There is a word, there is a call, there is a direction, there is instruction for your life. Jeremiah 1.5, I knew you before I formed you in your mother's womb. Before you were born, I set you apart and I appointed you as a prophet to the nations. Or how about Philippians 1.6? Remember, Paul wrote this from the Rome storm. <laughs> Philippians 1.6, I am certain that God who has begun a good work within you will continue it until it is finally finished on the day when Christ Jesus returns. 
or Romans 11, 29. For the gifts and the calling of God are irrevocable. He does not withdraw what He has given, nor does He change His mind about those to whom He gives His grace or to whom He sends His call. Ephesians 4.1, also written by Paul in the Rome storm. Therefore I, a prisoner for serving the Lord, beg you to lead a life worthy of your calling, for you have been called by God. You have a word, you have a promise, you have a direction, you have instruction, set out. But don't forget that on the way, there will be a personal encounter with Jesus waiting for you. In the middle when the storm comes, because it will, whether you're setting out for God or not, the storm will come. It's called life. When the storm comes, could you look up and experience a walking on water moment with Jesus? The first thing Jesus says is, don't be afraid. So whatever you're facing, whatever you're looking at, whatever storm is looking you in the eye or you feel consumed by right now, could you hear Jesus whisper to you, don't be afraid? Don't be afraid. The storm may look big, but God is well able. He is well able. On the way, there is a personal encounter for you. Could you be on the hunt for it? He's promised us in the Bible that He will never leave us nor forsake us and that when we walk through fire and death, He is right there beside us. You know, in our current storm, the walking on water storm, Jesus was watching His disciples in the storm before He went to them. Now, I'm not going to freak you out here, but Jesus is watching you. (laughs) In the middle of whatever you are facing, He can see you. He is watching you. His eye is on you, not to reprimand you, to comfort you. Not to make you feel judged or told off or not doing well enough. So he can whisper to you, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid right now. And he will come walking on the water to you. You are not alone. You are not forgotten. He's got his eye on you. On the way... Could you let Jesus say to you, hey, come to me? Faith was built that night on the storm. Peter actually walked on the water, people. (laughs) He truly stepped out and he walked on the water in faith. But when his focus became on the storm and not on Jesus was when he began to sink. So in the middle of the storm, when you hear Jesus say to you, don't be afraid, come to me. And you go, you walk to him, keep your eyes on him. Don't let the storm be louder than Jesus. Don't let the storm be messier than Jesus. Don't let the wind undo the word. Hold on to the word. In your current storm, have you taken your eyes off Jesus? Or can you find him again? Can you locate him in the middle of the storm? You know, that the... Peter walking on water is a really beautiful picture of faith that when his focus was on Jesus, he could do the impossible. But when he focused on the natural and the circumstances, he could no longer do the impossible. And even when you doubt, Jesus is still going to save you. (laughs) Even when he took his eyes off Jesus, he saw the storm and he was sinking, he cried out to Jesus and Jesus saved him. So all is not lost. 
If you feel that you've doubted in the middle of the storm, if you've lost your way in the middle of the storm, just cry out again. Just cry out again. He's still there. He's still watching you. He's still for you and he will rescue you. So Jesus and Peter get back in the boat. The storm stops. The disciples worship. And then we get to the other side. Verses 34 to 36. After they had crossed the lake, they landed at that place that starts with G. And when the people recognised Jesus, the news of his arrival spread quickly throughout the whole area. And soon people were bringing all their sick to be healed. They begged him to let the sick touch at least the fringe of his robe. And all who touched him were healed. On the other side of the walking on water storm, There was safety for the disciples. There was breakthrough. There was faith for them. But the overflow was ministry to other people. On the other side of their storm was healing for a whole lot of people. Other people's lives depended on the disciples and Jesus getting to that destination. Who's waiting on the other side of your storm? Who needs you to arrive and minister? who needs you to arrive and touch them so they'll be healed, you will make it. You will make it. We've all read the end. (laughs) You will make it. You will arrive at the destination that God has predetermined for you to arrive at. But who else might be waiting there? Who else's freedom and victory and breakthrough and healing depends on you getting to the other side? So there's a word get to the other side. (laughs) There's a promise from Jesus and then there's a storm. But in the middle of the storm, there is personal encounter and there is ministry so that you make it to the other side. And on the other side, there are people waiting for you, waiting for you to arrive healed, whole, full of faith, full of passion, full of purpose, ready to outwork everything that God has put within you on the other side. Tap your neighbour, ask them what's on the other side. Sometimes we get a little bit too caught up in what we're experiencing and we forget that there's another side. There's a reason for the storm. There's another side to whatever you're going through. So the final storm for today, are we doing okay? Because, you know, now we come to storm number three and I'm going to show you the same things. And so you can't argue with me. (laughs) On the other side, there are people waiting for you. So let's read about the sleeping storm. So this final storm that I'm going to unpack this morning, um, it actually occurred before the other two storms. So I've kind of gone backwards. It's fine. Okay, it's fine. Um, But this one is really near the beginning of Jesus' ministry. And in fact, it happens just after he's begun to call the disciples to follow him. And we pick it up in Luke 8, verses 22 to 25. One day, Jesus said to his disciples, let's cross to the other side of the lake. They must have just been like zigzagging that thing, eh? Like, (laughs) let's go to the other side and let's go back and let's go to the other side and let's go back. Let's cross to the other side of the lake. So they got into a boat and they started out. As they sailed across, Jesus settled down for a nap. But soon a fierce storm came down on the lake. The boat was filling with water and they were in real danger. The disciples went and woke him up, shouting, Master, Master, we're going to drown. When Jesus woke up, he rebuked the wind and the raging waves. Suddenly the storm stopped. 
and all was calm. Then he asked them, where is your faith? The disciples were terrified and amazed. (laughs) Who is this man, they asked each other. When he gives a command, even the wind and the waves obey him. Let's go to the other side. Storm. (laughs) Seems to be a pattern that we're encountering. Step into the purpose and the will and the direction and the word from God for your life. Hello, storm. Waiting, (laughs) lurking in the background. Storms will come. Regardless of whether you feel that you are walking in the purposes and the call of God or not, storms will come. Because storms come on the way to the promise. Storms come to derail you and take you off course. Storms come to try and persuade you that it's not worth it. Storms come after the decision, but before the blessing. Storms come on the way. So you've heard from God. You've got a word. You've got an instruction. Get to the other side. (laughs) And so you boldly step. Storm. Storm. But in the middle of the storm is a personal encounter from Jesus. And there is ministry and there are lessons to be learnt in the middle of the storm. And you will make it to the other side because there are people waiting on the other side. Whatever you're facing, whatever storm you find yourself in today or next week or in a month's time, whatever's trying to drown you, derail you, sideswipe you, take you off course, don't forget that Jesus is in the boat with you. He was having a nap, fully confident, (laughs) fully at peace. He was having a nap in the middle of what the disciples thought was their end. Do you know that we can be in the storm, but we cannot let it impact our hearts and our spirits? That's when we're truly derailed. That's when we're truly taken out. And did you know that there is great power in the name of Jesus to silence any storm that you may be facing? There is nothing that he cannot do. Philippians 2, 9 to 11 says, Therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. There is supreme power in the name of Jesus. Apprehend it. Know it on the inside. Personalise it. The name of Jesus for your benefit, for your victory, for your power, for your overcoming. Um, There's a funny story in my own life about the name of Jesus. And um, some of you will have heard this before, but laugh anyway, okay? Um, So I was having this conversation with my children about how monsters aren't real. And Harper was two at the time two or three, really young. And um, we were talking about how monsters aren't real and they don't hide under the bed and they won't be in the closet and all of that kind of stuff. And at the same time, I was reading a book by Cindy Jacobs called The Voice of God. And in it, she talks about how we should teach our children that if they see something that seems like a monster or they see something that might be a little bit scary, to actually give them the power to rebuke that thing in the name of Jesus. And so I thought, Holla, better try this. So I said to the kids, hey, if you see something that scares you, 
Because our kids' spirits are alive and well, eh? And they have, they have visibility that we don't see sometimes because we've clouded it with our own experiences and our own expectations. But kids can come sometimes see in the spiritual realm a whole lot easier than we can. And so I said to my kids, okay, so next time, if you think there's a monster, even though monsters aren't real, but if you think there's something that's scary or you feel like something, you know, is lurking or, you know, stuff, um, I want you to say, go in the name of Jesus. And it'll go. And so then we closed down the conversation, went on and did something else super fun. And then a couple of weeks later, um, we had a snow day. We love snow days in our family um, because, you know, we can put on all the ski gear and we can go and play in the snow. But there was a snow day and um, at this time we didn't have a fire in our house. We only had a heat pump and the heat pump stopped working. Now, I don't like to be cold in my own house, okay? In my own house I want to be warm. And the heat pump wasn't working. And I was getting crosser and crosser with it. And I was pressing all the buttons and I was pointing it at it. And I was saying, ah, getting really, really crossed. And Harper climbs up on the dining room table, which was underneath the heat pump. And she just points at it and she says, go in the name of Jesus. And it went. I know. I know. See, there is great power in the name of Jesus. And now when you think about it, you can think about that heat pump turning on. Sometimes you just need to shout, go in the name of Jesus. You need to eyeball some stuff and you need to say, you go in the name of Jesus. You have no realm here. This is not your territory. Get out of here. Get out of my boat. Get out of my life. Get out of my circumstances. Go in the name of Jesus. There is great power in the name of Jesus. But what was on the other side? Sleeping storm. Great power in the name of Jesus. He calms the wind and the waves. But what's on the other side? Luke 8, verse 26. Worship team, you can jump up now if you want. Um, So they arrived in the region of the G's across the lake from Galilee. As Jesus was climbing out of the boat, a man who was possessed by demons came out to meet him. For a long time, he had been homeless and naked, living in a cemetery outside the town. As soon as he saw Jesus, he shrieked and fell down in front of him. Then he screamed, Why are you interfering with me, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? Please, I beg you, don't torture me. For Jesus had already commanded the evil spirit to come out of him. This spirit had often taken control of the man. Even when he was placed under guard and put in chains and shackles, he simply broke them, rushed out into the wilderness, completely under the demon's power. Jesus demanded, what is your name? Legion, he replied, for he was filled with many demons. The demons kept begging Jesus not to send them into the bottomless pit. There happened to be a herd of pigs feeding on the hillside nearby and the demons begged him to let them enter into the pigs. So Jesus gave them permission. Then the demons came out of the man, entered the pig and the entire herd plunged down the steep hillside into the lake and drowned. When the herdsmen saw it, they fled to the nearby town and the surrounding countryside, spreading the news as they ran. People rushed out to see what had happened. A crowd soon gathered around Jesus and they saw the man who had been freed from the demons. He was sitting at Jesus' feet, fully clothed and perfectly sane, and they were all afraid. 
Then those who had seen what happened told the others how the demon-possessed man had been healed. And all the people in the region begged Jesus to go away and leave them alone for a great wave of fear swept over them. So Jesus returned to the boat and left, crossing back to the other side of the lake. The man who had been freed from the demons begged to go with him. But Jesus sent him home saying, no, go back to your family. Tell them everything God has done for you. So he went all through the town proclaiming the great things Jesus had done for him. What could be on the other side of your storm? On the other side of this storm, one reason, Jesus had one reason for going to the other side, to heal one man. But he in turn proclaimed the story and his testimony of what Jesus had done in his life throughout that whole region. He wanted to go with Jesus, but Jesus said, no, you're better here. Stay here, spread the word. (laughs) Go tell your family, go tell your friends. And he actually went through that whole region, which was about 10 cities, and spread the good news about Jesus. Jesus' disciples hear a direction, hear an instruction, get to the other side. So they get in a boat and they go. But on the way, they encounter a storm. In the middle of the storm, there's personal encounter with Jesus. There's ministry, there's faith that is built. And then there's the other side. And on the other side, there is wide scale testimony of Jesus' goodness. There is healing. The kingdom is extended on the other side. People are waiting on the other side of your storm for you to come through and to minister. Jesus went there to expand His territory, to spread the news of the Gospel. Ten cities. Man healed, city impacted, and a whole region heard about Jesus. Your breakthrough Your conquering of the storm, your overcoming is not just for your benefit. There are people waiting on the other side. You will receive your freedom. You will make it through. You will make it to the other side. But it's not just so you can be happy. It's not just so you can party on the other side. It's so you can minister to other people. And what I mean by minister is you can love them. You can be kind. You can tell somebody about Jesus. You could give a prophecy. You could give an encouraging word. You could make a meal. You could be Jesus' hands and feet on the other side of your storm. What territory is waiting for you? Do you even know what could be yours in the name of Jesus? Purpose, influence, relationships, family members, jobs, Health, salvation, healing, blessing. What about a city in love with Jesus? Saved, delivered, healed, set free. What position are you not even in yet? What is your future territory on the other side? You know, some of the promises and the insight that we've had from God for here, for this church. Some of our land, some of our territory, that we would be a catch and release church an Ezekiel 47 church where the river of life flows out of this temple. 
into the city and there are fish of many kinds to be caught and harvested in this season. That there are multitudes of people waiting for us waiting in the valley of decision, that we would be an army, an army that rises up, takes back territory for Jesus, ministers to people, loves people, heals people, sees people set free and stepping into their own personal victory. That we would see the glory of God in this place to greater measure. This is great land and I wanna walk into it. What will it take? Where have you set out? Where have you heard from God and you've boldly got into that boat to go to the other side? (laughs) But you've encountered a storm. Don't stay there. Find Jesus in the middle of your storm. There is a personal encounter for you right in the middle of whatever you are facing. And the reason that you are even in that place is so you can get to the other side. The reason that you are even experiencing what you are experiencing is there are people waiting on the other side for you to be free so they can be free. Waiting for you to live in victory, waiting for you to share your testimony, waiting for you to love upon them. You are significant, your life matters. You have access to the Most High God. Don't get taken out by the storm. The power of the living God resides in you. There is nothing that He cannot do make it to the other side. This morning, will you allow faith to arise? Will you allow there to be a stirring in your spirit? I'm not gonna stay here. I'm not gonna hold in this pattern. I'm gonna encounter Jesus. I'm gonna learn, I'm gonna be ministered to by Him so that I can then minister to others. Because in all three of these storms in the New Testament, there is a word from God you have a word from God for your life. And there is a storm. Your storm looks different than mine. The storms that I've gone through are not the storms that you go through. We all go through our own stuff. But in the middle of the storm, I promise you, there is personal encounter with Jesus. He is waiting for you. There is nothing that He cannot do. He wants to minister to you right where you are. He wants to remind you of His sovereignty, of His power, of His name so that you will make it to the other side, so that you can live free and you can teach others how to live free. This morning, could a new level of faith arise in this place? Where we say, hey, I know who I am. The God that I serve and to whom I belong is well able. And I get to partner with Him. And suddenly we view our prisons a little differently. We push some clutter to the side. Clarity comes, beam of light moment. Faith, faith, you will make it to the other side. Not just so you have a nice life, because that would be dumb, but so that you can help others reach their true potential, experience freedom, experience breakthrough, Testify to the goodness of God. Not only will you survive this storm in the name of Jesus, other people's lives will be changed as a result of it. You are significant. The God within you is significant. There is nothing that He cannot do. Your life matters. The words that come out of your mouth matter. The impact you have on your family members and your friends really matter. 
their breakthrough depends on you breaking through. Why don't we stand this morning? We're going to give Jesus some praise before we go on. We hope you enjoyed this message recorded at Equippers Church, Dunedin. We pray it blessed you. For more information, please visit equipperschurch.com.